Hello and welcome to the Talk to Defeat ALS podcast. I'm your host, Tony Heil, Director of Communications and Public Policy here at the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter. In addition to services that our chapter provides on this podcast and information, uh, we often have uh, topics that branch way beyond our chapter borders, sometimes with guests that go across the country. And today we have a very important topic with our Director of uh, Assistive Technology, Elisa Brownlee, who's going to explain uh, your first clinic visit uh, it's not always the same visit to every clinic that has AL, for people with ALS, uh, but she's going to go in the baseline in terms of where what happens when you walk through the door, what happens before you walk through the door the first time, the follow-ups, and then the subsequent visit for going to an ALS treatment center. Uh, before we get into this, I encourage you to go to our website, www.alsphiladelphia.org, to learn about how to donate, advocate, volunteer, and to find events near you. And if you're not in our area, you can go to www.alsa.org to go to the ALS Association's website to find a treatment center near you and events near you. And of course, follow us on social media, all at ALS Philadelphia, to get your updates on a regular basis. So, the most important part of the ALS Association and our chapter is our clinics. They are the heart of our chapter, as we call, the hub of where everything happens, not just for care, but for awareness and for research as well. Yes. So, Elisa, thank you for joining us thank and you. for discussing the breadth of what happens at an ALS treatment center. Correct. So, uh, I first want to start off that there are several different uh, ALS centers or clinics. The word is interchangeable for us, but, you know, I look at the building as the center and the people as the clinic. So, mm -hmm. that's the way I'm going to be discussing it today. I'm going to be using the word clinic. And like you said, it's the people that matter more than the building Correct. itself. You, Correct. Could have, you could have a clinic here in our conference room. I mean, you can't, but, like, <laughs> it's the people that are at the center. Correct. So there are uh, ALS uh, Treatment Centers of Excellence, which have been certified by the National ALS Association. We have what's called affiliated clinics. There are MDA ALS clinics, and then there are clinics at uh, the Veterans Hospital, Veterans Administration. So there's different clinics depending on where you live. What I encourage people to do is seek out your chapter and ask your chapter representative, based on your geography, what center or clinic would they recommend that you go to. So we are so fortunate in our area here. Um, we have a uh, clinic in Hershey. We have a clinic in uh, uh, Danville, mm -hmm. right? Um, we have five clinics in the city of Philadelphia. All of them are in Center City, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have a breath of knowledge in our area that people can tap into. And then there's also the clinic um, that our chapter supports at Hackensack Meridian. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that's correct. And then we do a little bit of support for one in Maryland um, that helps people in Delaware. Peninsula, yeah. right. Peninsula. And uh, so there, the people can go. And there's people that live far away that sometimes go further to their clinic because that's who they're comfortable with. That's who they're And they've met the doctor and they're very comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so th the most important thing we can encourage is that somebody get into an ALS clinic. Mm -hmm. And um, how you do that can depend on whether or not you, the person that diagnosed you, which is often a local neurologist, uh, hopefully they've told them, uh, they've told the person with ALS and their family about us, and when they call us, we recommend a clinic. Some people self-refer, which is fine. 
they get the diagnosis of ALS, they do a little Googling and they see that there's an ALS center at Jefferson or Penn and they pick up the phone and call. Um, we don't care how you get here, just get here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so when you reach out to the clinic, most likely you're talking to a nurse or a scheduler and they will ask, of course, for your medical records and who diagnosed you. Um, and then depending on what clinic you called, sometimes the chapter nurse might or the social worker might call you first to introduce themselves and, and tell you a little bit about what to expect at clinic. Sometimes it does not happen that way. Um, but uh, when you make a clinic appointment, uh, your first appointment is probably going to be two to three hours, sometimes more. So be prepared for that. Um, bring water or beverage. If you think you're going to be hungry, um, bring a sandwich, bring a bagel. Um, but know that you're going to be there for a set amount of time. Mm -hmm. And the reason that time frame is so long is that uh, ALS clinics are interdisciplinary. So we have up to 13 or 14 different professionals that you'll see at one visit. And usually on the initial visit, you're going to see most of the team. Right. And we'll talk about subsequent visits, but sometimes, but it's important that first visit to see as many people as possible. Absolutely. And um, what you're talking about, two to three hours, maybe a little bit longer. We discussed this before. If I bring my son to go to his, um, you know, his local doctor, that's going to be at least a half hour to talk to one person about a rat. Correct. So to see this many people, it's not a long period of time considering how many people you're seeing. Absolutely. So most clinics... Um, have core uh, team members. Those core team members are going to be your neurologist, your nurse, occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, uh, nutrition, social work, mental health, and respiratory. Some clinics offer, in, in addition to respiratory, a pulmonologist. Uh, in addition to OT and PT, which is physical and occupational therapy, some clinics have a physiatrist. A physiatrist is a doctor of rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. um, some clinics have research nurses or research doctors on staff. We uh, might offer palliative care through a doctor or a nurse. Um, certain clinics have a chaplain or pastoral care. And then some clinics will actually just have a liaison, somebody from the chapter to introduce our chapter services at the clinic. Yeah. So that can be 14 to 15 different people that you're going to meet in a day. And, and it sounds daunting. Yes. My experience from going to the clinics uh, just as a chapter representative has been that as daunting as it sounds on paper, everyone there seems to try and make it as relaxing of an atmosphere as possible. It never seems to feel stressed from the caregiver perspective, from terms Correct. of what you're providing, which is Correct. very important. Absolutely. And we recognize on your first clinic visit, you're probably going to be like, who was, I forget, what, what was that person's name? So if you think about all these these uh, professionals, the, 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 the person in charge, and I'm putting that in air quotes, who really runs the clinic is the clinic nurse. Mm -hmm. So if you go home and you say, oh, I want to ask the assistive technologist about, I don't remember her name, you need to just call your nurse, whether depending on what clinic you go to. Um, you know, if you go to Jefferson, it's Judy, Penn, it's Mary, 
uh, and, and Hershey, it's Sue or Annette or, or Maureen. Maureen. Right. You just call and say, ah, I forget who I talked to, but, you know, and in North Central, you call Erica. So there are people that can assist you in remembering who we are and what we do. Yeah. And, you know, the way you put that um, really stre stresses something that's important to me is that you mentioned all those nurses on a first name basis. Um, the nurses, one, year after year, nurses are like the most liked and, and trusted profession in the country. Um, we love our nurses. And two, it's like you're talking to a friend. Correct. As much as a healthcare professional. They're Correct. experts. They've seen it all. They've heard it all. Um, but they're not here to be some, they're a clinical person, but it's not just like, you know, jargon that's so far removed. Right. They're here to identify with you right. and make it easier for you. And, you know, um, you know, Planet Fitness has their no judgment zone. We are a no judgment zone. Mm -hmm. You can come to us and say, um, I'm on this herbal remedy, or I've heard about this, that we want you to be able to articulate your questions, your concerns. If you are using something um, that you bought on the internet, tell us about it. We're not going to judge. Right. We just want to know what you're doing so that we don't make actually, you know, the doctor, of course, wouldn't want to prescribe anything that might counteract what you're taking. Right. So, and we've had a lot of people who have said, you know, in the past when Certain things weren't legal, um, but they found relief, mm -hmm. and so we want to know that we're not we're not here to judge. And they and the nurses have heard it exactly. So many of the, the nurses at all of our centers have many years of experience. Absolutely. And whatever you think is out of bounds or tough for you, they've probably heard it many times before. Exactly. And but for you, it's new. Right. Exactly. All of this is new because for ALS, most people, it's not in their family. There's a small Correct. percentage that it's familial, and that's always challenging. Um, but most people, they didn't know anything about ALS until one day they got a diagnosis. Right. And so if you, at your first visit, you want to talk to the mental health nurse privately, you can do that. Mm -hmm. If your caregiver wants to talk to the mental health nurse or the psychologist, whatever discipline is on the staff, um, we welcome that. We, we want you to feel like you can ask us questions and get appropriate answers. And sometimes you, you don't want to do it in front of the person who has ALS. And we understand that too. We are a clinic that's not only there for the, the person diagnosed, but for the family and those that love them. Right. So uh, your clinic experience is not only for the person with ALS. Correct. It's for the person with ALS and the caregiver and sometimes more than just one caregiver who comes, right? Correct. And they're welcome to. You You encourage people to Absolutely. come. Absolutely. Uh, I think as this is overwhelming and um, sometimes, uh, especially if you're newly diagnosed, you're, you're going to hear certain things, but even though you might have physically heard something, you're not comprehending. Mm -hmm. And so the person that's with you can kind of walk you through what you were told. Right. Uh, it's just, it, it, it can be really um, uh, life-altering <laughs> to get this diagnosis. And then to have all these professionals all of a sudden involved in your care, you might not have ever seen a physical therapist before. No, why would you? Right. right. Exactly. So, um, so that's why we encourage people to bring others with them. Right. And so all these feelings you're going to have are very normal. Absolutely. People have experienced this before. Your caregiver, whether it's your spouse, parent, 
um, child, more of those, multiple, they might be able to help ground you. and help Correct. And I also think sometimes people are, are hesitant to come to a clinic because they're afraid of seeing somebody else right. with ALS. And the most important thing that you can remember is that everybody progresses differently. Yes. So you might come to your first clinic visit and you're walking and you see somebody in a wheelchair, but maybe that person in a wheelchair is, is two or three years down the road from you. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, yes, there's a lot of apprehension of, of seeing other people, but it's so important to know that no two people with ALS progress the same ever. Right. I have 23 years of history here that just there's, and, and, Research backs up what I'm saying. They're just they're, there's no two people with ALS that are the same. I know people who have had familial ALS. We we know the same families, and even in that family, they had very different experiences Correct. with it. Right. Which is you know it's it's challenging for you guys as the clinic team where you would you would love to be able to say well I know that your brother had this and that's mm-hmm. unfortunate and so this is probably and it might not be. It might not be so. Um, that's another concern you can bring to your doctor or your researcher, you know, how did I get this? And, the, and of course, you know, I'm sorry, I actually forgot one more person. Some clinics have geneticists on staff, yes. genetic counselors. So you can talk to a genetic counselor if you want to figure out whether or not this is hereditary. Mm-hmm. So basically clinic is one-stop shopping. Yes. For you to go to all these disciplines could take a month. Of, clinic, of doctor's visits and, and, and therapist visits. And some of them you might just decide not to go to because of that, which would be detrimental to your care. Right. If you had it in a different way. Right. Um, so, But your clinic experience doesn't necessarily start when you walk through the door, right? It starts before then? Correct. So, you know, once you make your appointment, you, as I said, sometimes the social worker or um, the nurse will call in advance. We're trying to get a baseline of where you are, what your problems are. So if you had said to the nurse, the social worker, whoever might call you and say, you know, I'm really having a problem with my foot. Okay, so we know that that's your area that you're concerned about. So we're going to make absolutely sure that you see physical, occupational therapy and a physiatrist. Right. Um, Whereas if you said my speech is really impacted, then you're going to see, make sure that some of the first people in the room are speech, nutrition, and assistive technology. Right. So that we know where your concerns are and we can address them. Um, And to be honest, you know, here we are, it's August. We have certain staff members who are on vacation. So if the first clinic visit comes and, and you say, well, I'm really having swallowing problems and our speech therapist is on vacation. We know we have to get somebody to cover for that person, yeah. obviously. So, yes, we, we would prefer to know what exactly your concerns are prior to you walking through the door. The more information you can bring early, the better. Correct. And, again, be honest about it, mm-hmm. even if it's, you know, something that um, often might make you a little uncomfortable. Just be honest and, and um, tell us, and we'll see if we can help you with this problem that you're experiencing. And so you'll see a dozen different people when you get there. Yeah. Um, you, you won't necessarily see the same type of person first. It might be the nurse. It might be Correct. the respiratory therapist. Right. Um, 
no one seems to be most important all the time, right? You might think the neurologist is most important, but really, it was really good that you met with the respiratory therapist. Then. Absolutely. And, and from my years of working at, at ALS treatment centers, the neurologist will always say, you know, I know neurons and I know neurology, but I don't know speech therapy. I right. don't know swallowing. So that's why it's, it, we, we function so well as an interdisciplinary team mm -hmm. because the, the speech therapist might identify, oh, this person is really having a swallowing problem. I think we need to do a video swallow or I think I would change their food consistency. That SLP, prior to the neurologist going into the room, will meet with the neurologist in a room or privately and say, these are my concerns that I've identified. And then the neurologist can follow up and try to, um, when they're speaking with the person with ALS, oh, I heard the speech therapist was, was here. What was your interpretation of what he or she said? And then follow through with it. Right. Um, so we are just one giant wheel, and we're all spokes in it. And, and I think that's why we function so well, because we each look at a different area, and then we make recommendations at the end of the day, the team sits down and we each make recommendations by discipline of what we saw and recommended to the person with ALS. So when you recommend something at the end of someone's visit, what do they do they get what do they get that first visit? Um, so some clinics will give you a sheet as you walk out the door. Others mm -hmm. will um, what we do at least at our clinic at Jefferson is that we have our what we call rounds where we each talk about what we've recommended we type that up and then we send it to the person either in the mail or by email so but they've already been told what we recommended but now we're just following through in writing mm -hmm. so that you know that the the person with ALS gets something in writing about you know okay so we recommended a trilogy which is a non-invasive ventilator the respiratory company will be calling you to schedule a delivery day right just so you have that in writing. Because sometimes, again, if I verbally tell you that, you might get, well, okay, who was supposed to come one? Right. <laughs> you know, so it's just easier this way. So you'll get something that kind of documents Correct. what everyone wanted. Um, you'll get some information about the ALS Association, mm -hmm. about care. Um, I know you talked about you'll see a social worker. Yes. And that, sound, that doesn't sound like healthcare to a lot of people, even though it is. Yes. So what would their role be in that clinic? Well, especially in your first clinic, um, the social worker wants to uh, understand your work situation, um, wants to help you with benefits. Right. Uh, especially if you're still working, you have private insurance. Every insurance benefit, no matter if they're both Blue Cross policies, you and I could have totally different coverage. Yeah, you and I both work at the same place. We could have different coverage. Correct, because, because we have different plans. Right. So the, the social worker wants to help you understand what your insurance will cover. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, a lot of times when people get diagnosed with ALS and if the disease progresses, they have to decide whether or not to work, stop work. Some people want to talk about that from the get-go, and that's what you talk about with the social worker. Right. Uh, what happens if I stop working? What happens to my benefits? You know, um, I have a long-term care policy. What does that mean? Yeah, because most people don't know. Why would Correct. they know? 
Right. And so that's your your social worker is crucial for you to find your resources. Mm -hmm. Community resources, insurance resources, and government resources. And from my experience in talking with all of our social workers, uh, they'll also tell you how to talk to those people. Correct. Yeah. If you have trouble talking with ALS, it's also just trouble calling these insurance companies and navigating that system. Correct. Because we provide a wealth of services, but there's a lot of things you'll need insurance for. Yeah. And you won't know, you know how to push back, what, what, uh, what buttons to press, figuratively or literally. Well, and I have to tell you that one of the years ago, the first social worker that was here, her name was Sharon Houlihan, and she taught me something I still use today. Don't press a button, pretend you're on a rotary phone. Because eventually you will get to a human being. Uh-huh. I never press buttons. When I call insurance, I just pretend that I can't press buttons. Hmm. And inevitably, it gets you a human being. Well, if we got nothing else done today, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's good for me. I don't press buttons. Yeah. Uh, and I and because it can be frustrating. Yeah. And and so technically, every company still has to have the resources for someone who doesn't have a push button phone. Believe it or not. And you know, we're talking about our ALS treatment centers. Um, insurance and dealing with it can be frustrating, and that's part of the role of these treatment centers is that ALS itself and all the treatment involved can be very frustrating. We're there to make it easier. Correct. We're and not there to cure ALS because there is no cure, but we're there to make it a lot easier. And symptom management is what we absolutely believe in. Right. And it's, and we, it's been proven research-wise to be very, very beneficial. Absolutely. And, and on your first initial visit, of course, you're going to want to ask about treatments and um, you're going to want to know about clinical trials, which is why there's often a research nurse or a doctor at the clinic. Um, but and it's always good if they're available to ask those questions. Absolutely. Because they're looking for people, whether there's a study happening there at that time or whether that's open for new people or not, they might know something that's right. nearby or keep your interest in it. So, right. Uh, and the eligibility for those studies is often very narrow. Correct. So it's always good if you're at all interested to ask because you can always say no after you learn more. Correct. But if you're even a little bit interested. Correct. You're good. absolutely right. And, and there's a whole podcast, I'm sure, available on how to qualify for a research study. Yeah, we've done a few things on research studies. Yeah. And, and I think one of the most important disciplines on your first clinic visit is mental health and psychology. Yes. Because um, ALS does not just affect the individual, it affects the family, right? the community, mm -hmm. the people that care about you, the people that work with you. Um, yeah, I know someone that lost someone to ALS, she comes to advocacy and because of her friend, not because of a family member. Correct. But they were, so, they were like family, they're close. Correct. And it's still very hard for her dec over a decade later. Yes. And that, so it's and it's okay to feel that way, and that's what the mental health professional exactly. And you know the the range of age for people getting diagnosed. You know it can be eighteen, nineteen years old up to eighty. Right. But you know, think about someone in their mid twenties or thirties. They might have young children. That's a totally different family dynamic than somebody who is sixty eight and has grown children. Right. And so that's where the mental health nurse or our psychologist will help you figure out how to talk to your children, how to tell the grandchildren, um, when to talk to them. Um, so at that initial visit, 
you're really overwhelmed, but that's a lot of times people come in and say, I don't know what to tell people. Yeah. And that's why mental health is so crucial at that time. So I think we've gone through what happens on that day, yeah. right? Um, and there's a couple things we want to touch on that happen after that day. Yep. We're going to talk about the next visit as well for a little bit, but um, there's the follow-up, and then the social workers or mental health also talk about the support group. So do you want to Correct. talk on either of those first? Well, we the, the, our chapter does sponsor support groups throughout our region. Mm-hmm. Um, we encourage people to go. Again, that can be viewed like clinic. People are a little concerned about seeing other people. Right. Um, but it is a great way to meet other families and connect and talk about the challenges of this disease, but also get some ideas. You know, caregivers are the ones, and, and people with ALS, are the ones who come up with some unique ideas that they have solved. They've met the challenge, and they already know the answer, so that when you're sitting there and saying, this is my challenge, and they're, ah, we've been there, done that, let me tell you what we did. And something that you guys as experts may not have thought of Correct. because it's a yeah. new technology, something that's yeah. on TV. And maybe it's something that is good to bring up in group so that everyone can address it at once as opposed Correct. to now I have to call everyone one by one. Right. And tell them. <laughs> yes. So, so, uh, so um, you know, after your clinic visit, even before your clinic visit, you can always go to a support group. Um, but the most important thing that I stress to people after their clinic visit is that, again, if they forget who we are, you call the clinic nurse. If you, in two or three weeks, experience something, that is new to you, call the clinic nurse. We, I mean, I'm not saying call her every day, but if it's a concern of yours, pick up the phone because mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Or send an email. Correct. There's yeah. a lot, there's, and people are very responsive here and you have a whole plan of, you know, what to expect or, you know, what's going on so you Correct. can talk to the right people. Right. And again, if you say, oh, I have a question and the only person I remember is my social worker, Melissa. Call Melissa and she'll say, this is who you call. Right. <laughs> or she might be able to solve your your, your problem. You exactly. never know. <laughs> That's why we're cross-disciplinary, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And I and I know that if you were, to, if Bob goes to the clinic and you guys as the clinic team saw that, you know, I'm concerned that they might not have picked up on that thing, you guys will do a follow-up too. Sure, and that, yeah. And I, I don't know if every other disease or service does that to the same extent. Sometimes you do hear from your doctor or nurse and other things out there, but I know that this is, a, you know, as much of a one-to-one or 12-to-one right. service as can be right. hoped for. And, and the other thing to differentiate is your clinic team is there on clinic day, but some of us work for the chapter. Right. All right. So some of them work for the hospital, some of them work for the chapter. Um, the chapter employees are usually the social workers, uh, the mental health nurse, uh, some uh, registered nurse, and the assistive technologist, me. Um, most of the ALS staff, we also offer home visits. So if I'm meeting with a client at clinic or I get somebody who calls that goes to another clinic and says, Elise, I have a question about computer access or home modification. If it's warranted, I'll do a home visit. Mm-hmm. So that's another follow-up from clinic is that I could say as I'm talking to somebody, how about I come out in a couple of weeks and we'll look at your home. 
And that could be after the first clinic visit. Correct. Yeah. And that's, I, I imagine that you, as someone who's done a lot of home visits, you would rather go early than Absolutely. Early. I'd rather be out there early and say, you don't need me, but. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's something, I, I've been to the clinics a few times as a staff person here, and my grandfather had ALS, but I didn't go to his clinics. Um, it would be much better as a caregiver in person with ALS if you bring these things up to uh, the nurse and, and social worker and assistive technologist early because if your hands are working, you can help direct to what you need at the home. Mm-hmm. If, your feet, if you're able to walk, you can walk the person through. So if you go to a home visit and that person can work with you, that's a lot easier than if they're confined to a wheelchair and can't help you. Correct. Answer. Yeah. So I'll ask questions as early as possible. Yes. So that's so you get follow up. You might have home visits. You'll have, you could have support groups after the first visit. There's a lot of help between the visits. Um, and then is your second visit basically the same exact thing? Um, well, depending on what was recommended by the team, most clinic visits are three to four months after your first visit. Uh, some clinics do two to three months. It depends on how busy the clinic is. Also depends on how you are physically. Um, but traditionally, it's three months. So you leave your first clinic visit, and they schedule you for three months. And then prior to your second visit, you're going to get a call from the nurse again and try to, you know, we have specific questions we ask, trying to figure out where you are again right. on the trajectory of the disease. Um and again, trying to identify specific disciplines that you're really having an issue with and make sure that, you know, they're going to be there that day. And if they're not, for example, if your social worker is going to be on vacation, that social worker might call you prior to your clinic visit and say, I'm not going to be there. Right. But are there issues? And, that, and so we get the issues. And then maybe somebody on the clinic team can help you or maybe the social worker will say, well, I'll make a few calls. And so your needs have already been met prior to you walking in the door. Yeah. Um, so uh, at the second visit, it's probably going to be the same length of time. Right. So bring your bagel, bring your sandwich, and mm-hmm. bring something to eat. Um, and uh, again, we don't know necessarily who will be first in the room. Usually we try to do nursing or respiratory. Right. Um but sometimes that doesn't work. Especially depending on what you've answered before. And what exactly. Right. Yeah. And and so, again, the team revolves around you. You sit in the room and we come in either individually or, or um, sometimes three at a time. I often tag team with the speech therapist and the dietitian because we all work on the same muscle group. <laughs> so, and that actually helps because then the person with ALS is not repeating Right. Everything. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that where a number of times it's not just one person in at a time, it cuts a few of you. And that right. makes a lot of sense. Right. Especially with speech and diet. That, yeah. Which I think a lot of people wouldn't realize that until they right. actually go through it. Well, and occupational and physical therapy always go in together. We affectionately call them arms and legs. Yeah. And then usually our physiatrist goes in with those two. Mm-hmm. So you have three of those. Uh, at Jefferson Clinic, our neurologist is usually always with the nurse, Judy. Mm-hmm. So uh, we tag team. Again, um, because we don't want to fatigue the person with ALS by repeating everything um, when it comes to certain muscle groups. Why should they? Right. That's important. Yeah. And does it matter to the neurologist if did, did they want to be 
there after you've seen a lot of people? Yeah. Or, or, do, or do they, it doesn't matter really? Um, it, it depends on the neurologist. Again, yeah. sometimes we'll just stop them in the hall and say, we need you to talk to them about. Yeah. Um, and that's what's so great about working as a team together. Yeah, it, it seems that's one thing I really appreciate from seeing how our teams operate from a distance even is that um, the neurologist really listens and yes. and they're all really compassionate and understanding of your time and needs. Yes. So it's a little bit different the second time only in that you already know what to expect. Exactly, yeah. So hopefully it's easier for that person with ALS that they've gone through it. Mm -hmm. They've kind of been conditioned into what's going on. Um, and then you'll be going to subsequent visits after that. Every two, three, four months, depending right. on where you go. Right. So some people might have more urgent needs and they'll have to go more. With the, it depends on the progression of the disease as well, I, right. I imagine. Um, and you'll continue to get follow-ups. Absolutely. You'll find out from the social worker how to get equipment. Yes. And you'll get that from step one, right? Absolutely. Yep. Um Especially with medical equipment, we do walk a delicate balance because medical insurance only pays for current needs, not future needs. Right. But with ALS, we're always thinking of the progressive nature of the disease, and we're always trying to be forward-thinking. But our forward-thinking sometimes contradicts with what Medicare and, and private insurances will pay for at that time. Right. So that's why it's really important to go to clinics so that we could say, you know, Next time you're here, we're going to maybe recommend, recommend this particular piece of medical equipment. We can't quite do it now, but next time we will. Right, and, and you kind of demystify it a little bit, too. Correct. Because yeah. there's a lot of things where you look on TV and you hear feeding tube, oh, that's scary, but really it's not. And, and I mean, it's not what anyone wants no, necessarily, but, but it's not. things aren't necessarily as scary as a terminology. Right, and most of the dietitians, almost everyone that I've worked with, mm -hmm. has a feeding tube that they can show you. Yeah. They'll pull it out of a bag, or uh, at Jefferson Clinic, we actually have a, uh, a baby, I think her name is Mickey, and she has the feeding tube in it, and you can see just, you know, what it looks like and how tiny it is. So, yeah. uh, you're right, we're trying to demystify things. So, uh, all of these experiences are there to make the... Um, Living with ALS easier. Um, it's a very challenging disease. It's challenging for every single person. And the wide range of professionals who are there to, to make your life and your day as easy as possible. Correct. So to find, is there anything else we need to discuss about the actual clinics? No, I don't think so. So again, you can find all of the clinics that we support um, throughout our Philadelphia um, territory at alsphiladelphia.org slash clinics. Or you can just go to alsphiladelphia.org and click on Care Services. You can find all of our programs and where you can get help and how to contact people there. If you're not in the Philadelphia area or Pennsylvania, New Jersey, or Delaware, which is where we serve, um, you can go to www.alsa.org and search by zip code, and they'll get you in touch with your chapter. Um, you can get the care you need there. Um, please visit our website to donate, advocate, and uh, volunteer. And, of course, follow us on social media, all at ALS Philadelphia. Thanks, Elisa, for thank providing you. so much experience. And thank you all for listening.